So today, uh, in looking at Ephesians, I know uh, we looked last week in verses 3. Uh, we stopped last week in verses 3, which is a summary that God wants to bless us, okay? God wants to bless us. Today, I actually want to look at, next week we're going to look at verses 4 to 6, okay? Next week, we're going to ha- look at verses 4 to 6. But here today, I actually want to focus on a word that I think is very beautiful, okay? Uh, and that is the word adoption, okay? We're looking at this because the next uh, this week, we're, gonna, we're having all you guys that are under 18, all the kids and everything else. As, next, uh, as we look at verses 3 to 6, the theme of election and predestination should be really deep, okay? In fact, a lot of real genuine believers argue and debate what does that mean. But rather, I thought instead of going through that complex subject... I thought we want to look at the goal of predestination. In verses uh, 5, the goal of predestination is very clear that we would, as it says, to adoption. You guys see that? So today's sermon is on adoption. Okay? It's on the adoption. And I want to ask this question is, do you know how rich the term adoption means? Do you guys know how rich the term adoption means? Okay? Uh, in looking at this theme of adoption, uh, I don't know if you guys have any friends that have adopted anyone. Where if you hear their story of how they adopt, or someone that's been adopted. For instance, sometimes people adopt a, a child in what? In China, right? And then you hear of how much they would pay in legal fees and all the fee, right? Uh, to, to have a child, uh, to adopt a child, especially when it's a special needs child. They're willing to pour so much money to adopt a child from another country or even within the United States adoption, right? And all those details, how much it costs, so everyone will be like, oh, wow, this is how much this parent loves this child, okay? It's the details that's involved with adoption that shows how much uh, someone loves someone. And usually here, especially if it's overseas, right? Hear the story of how long it takes, of how much they even pay money for the ticket to go travel with their whole family to be able to see this child, and then to make that choice and pay all the legal fees, both uh, in the States and also whatever that host country is, okay? All those details show us how much that parent loves us. But in looking at this term here, the term adoption in verses 5. Do you guys all see the word adoption? Okay. Adoption is, what is it, uh, as we'll look at, is really the idea of making someone your child. It's not biologically making a child, like you're born to that mom and through that father, but rather is a legal means, okay? So today we're going to see how much God loves us, okay? And by the way, for all of us here, those that are kids, we're all, you know, a child of somebody, right? But as we look at this term, I think this shows how rich, what? That term adoption means okay we're gonna see how rich this term adoption means okay today for today we're gonna ask four questions four questions how many questions okay so if you're taking notes we're gonna uh, ask answer four questions concerning adoption so we could appreciate how much God the Father loves us okay so we could appreciate how much God the Father loves us okay this is, uh, we're going to look at verses 5, one word, but we're really going to look at all throughout this, uh, many parts of the uh, New Testament, okay? So we're going to answer, uh, answer four questions so that we could see how much God the Father loves us so much. So that we would love Him back, okay? These are the four questions. These are the four questions. Question number one, what does adoption mean for the original hearers? What does adoption mean for the original hearers, Okay. We're going to ask, according to its context, what does that mean, okay? What does adoption mean for the original hearers? That's question number one that we'll answer. Question number one we're going to answer is, what does adoption mean for the original hearers, okay? We're going to go back 2,000 years ago when this book was written in Ephesians and say, in their term, what is, that, what is their understanding in their culture, in, in their uh, society that they live in, okay? Because I think understanding it makes it so rich how much we appreciate God, okay? So point number one, what, what does adoption mean for the original hearers? Point number two, question number two, why do we need spiritual adoption? Why do we need spiritual adoption, Okay. Why do we need spiritual adoption? Why do we need spiritual adoption? Question number three. Who has provided our spiritual adoption? Who has provided our spiritual adoption? Is question number three. Okay. Am I going too fast for those taking notes? Reasonable speed? Okay. Who has provided for our spiritual adoption? And then question number four. How does spiritual adoption change our lives how does spiritual adoption change our lives let me recap uh, all these four questions we'll be answering today I appreciate Victor and Anthony ending the worship 
earlier. Uh, it feels like, or it feels like we're, we're much earlier, okay? So these are the four questions, because today I think will be a little longer. So these four questions again is, number one is, what does adoption mean for the original hearers? What does adoption mean for the original hearers? Question number two, what, why do we need spiritual adoption? Why do we need spiritual adoption? Question number three, who has provided our spiritual adoption? Who has provided our spiritual adoption? Question number four, how does adoption change our lives? How does adoption change our life? Okay, so beginning first with the definition of adoption. Adoption uh, is a way someone could be someone else's child uh, through a legal transfer, okay? Through a legal transfer, okay? But when it comes to God, what it is is we're transferring into the king, to God's family, okay? To God's family, okay? So that's, I think we have this idea, right? Most of us were born to a family, but sometimes certain people, because of certain things going on, their parents might not be able to provide or, or through a parent's death. Now legally or or, or in terms of socially, they've now been a part of someone else's family. Okay, That's what adoption means. So now we want to ask our first point, our first question today is, what does adoption mean for the original hearers? Okay? What does adoption mean for the original hearers? When we look at this term, remember, every time when we read a biblical word, we must always look what does that word look like in the original context. Okay? I know I make this joke all the time. When you see the Bible says the disciples walk in one accord, you don't say what year and what make and what color. Okay? Because it's not talking about a car, Honda Accord. When it says Accord, it's, you have to go back to what does the Greek word mean? And it means, oh, okay, walking in unity, in one, okay? Same thing, when we look at the word adoption, we must not read our culture into the passage. But rather, we must ask, what does it mean in its original audience? And then when you see, hey, there's some parallels to our day-to-day, then you bring the application out to our life, okay? So we don't want to force to misinterpret the Bible by putting what we want, what we think. But rather, we see what God means, and then as we see what it means originally, they would say, oh, there's some parallel. Human nature is the same. The human condition is the same. God is still the same, like what my wife mentioned earlier in sermon reflection. And therefore, there's the application that follows from that, okay? I think the best way to understand this term, it's interesting. In the, in the Old Testament Bible, there's no word for adoption mentioned. Now, some of us might say, wait, didn't Israel, didn't it get called out of Egypt? So isn't that sense adoption? I think there's a sense of that. They were called to be my son. But nevertheless, the term here, there's no word for adoption in the Old Testament. So we're not going to look at Jewish source, which leaves that. And by the way, Ephesians were written 2,000 years ago, during the time of Jesus Christ. Actually, the next generation after Jesus Christ, okay? Um, Paul, who persecuted Christian right after Jesus Christ died. This guy, who was a big persecuted Christian, now became a Christian, as you guys remember from a few weeks ago. Now, Paul is now in what empire? All of the, the uh, Mediterranean uh, society at the time, including Israel. What empire were they under at this time period? Roman. Roman Empire. Thank you. Okay. I think the best way to understand this term is to understand adoption in its Roman context. Not in its Greek context. Because the Greek way of adoption and Roman is different. And I'm going to give arguments why I would say this first. Okay. First and foremost, the term adoption. The term you see adoption in Ephesians 1.5. All it's mentioned has always been mentioned in cities that were uh, under Roman influence, okay? In Ephesus, it's actually a very big Roman city. I think a few weeks ago, if you guys remember the background, I mentioned it's a Roman city. It's very Romanized. It's, Rome saw it's important because that's a way to get bread traveling to the rest of the empire, right? The, in order to control things, they have their stick, which is the armies, the legions, but also the bread is also the carrot, so to speak, right? The incentive say, hey, if you obey you have very cheap food throughout our empire, okay? So this, every time it's mentioned, for instance, uh, Romans is mentioned five times by Paul, okay? Five times, okay? In Romans 8, you don't have to turn there, but if you take time, in Romans 8, it mentioned this, in verses 14 and 15. So if it's, because Ro- Romans is written to where? The city of Rome, okay? Which obviously you would have understood in Roman legal term, okay? Ephesus is also what? A very Romanized city, Okay? Also, uh, Galatians mentioned this in Galatians 4, 46. We don't have to turn there because of the sake of time. Because write this down. So in all the major cities where the, where the all the ma- every time Paul mentioned Rome, uh, correction, adoption is always in Roman city. But I think there's a second reason why we adopt uh, with this. While it uses the Greek term of, of adoption here, I think uh, specifically why we should believe it's Roman is because remember, Paul was also a Roman citizen. Do you guys remember that? Paul was a Roman citizen. When they were persecuting him, when Roman officials were beating him up and imprisoning him, he said what? Hey, you cannot just mess with a Roman citizen. He said, really, you're a Roman citizen? I, and then the soldier said, hey, I, I 
uh, paid for this. And he's like, no, I was a Roman citizen from what? From birth, okay? So that's the second reason. And I think there's a sense where he held it in high regards, okay? And held it in high regards. The other thing is also important. Another reason is also the city would have understood it because they were a Romanized city. Paul was a Roman himself. But also during this time, they were under which empire? Roman Empire, okay? The Roman Empire for a period of almost 200 years, okay? When, uh, we often think of kings as what? We've been hearing about the British news lately, right? About which one of their sons no longer wants to be part of the what? Royal court, right? So we understand oftentimes royalty is from what? Is it by election or by what? Lineage, okay? By hereditary, by lineage, okay? But in this time period in the Roman Empire, it was not by lineage, or direct physical descendant lineage, biological. From the time of 44 BC onwards, the Roman Empire, every Caesar, that is every emperor, has always been uh, passed on, not through physical lineage, but the lineage of adoption. So that means everyone in the Roman Empire would have understood the idea of adoption. Okay, From 44 BC onward, Julius Caesar adopted Octavian. And Octavian then adopted Tiberius. Okay, And on and on it goes you know, for a few hundred years. Okay? Think about it for a moment, right? Our country, the United States, is a pretty relatively young country. We've been around for how long? 230-something years, right? 1775, okay? So, but then other countries have really long history, okay? We're a pretty young country. And think about it, even just 100 years, that's half our country's lifetime, okay? Uh, here we see, that's how long it's been. So I think this is the best way to understand. So what, then we ask, what does it mean in the Roman culture, okay? The Roman way of doing it is very different than the Greek. Actually, the Roman way is very controlling, in Roman families, did you guys know this? A father has absolute power. A father, if he kills a son, does he go to jail for killing a son? No, it's like, oh, that's his right. He gave birth to him, he, could, he gives and he takes. That, that's, way. that's not the way the Greek is. The Greek is like, oh, no, you, don't, you can't kill your son. Okay? The Roman idea is he's always, uh, the, the father has absolute life. Also, in Roman culture, every property belongs to, his, to the dad. Okay? Even whatever the son owns. Whereas Greek ways like, no, just because you're the dad doesn't mean you own everything the son owns, okay? So it's much more controlling. But I think there's a point. Because when God adopts, that means what? He owns all of us. And by the way, God is going to contrast. He's loving in contrast to, to just the, uh, to, to the harshness of Roman uh, culture, okay? So what does it mean, okay? In uh, their culture... Uh, they adopt for various reasons, okay? In most cultures, they adopt for various reasons, okay? Um, I think of, for instance, my dad. My dad, uh, growing up, um, he, he does have a biological mom and dad, but it was a, a turbulent time in Chinese history. Uh, so he didn't have his parents at the time. So he was a young little, as he would call it in some sense, well, I'm paraphrasing, a little rascal. A wild child, okay? Just this kid uh, with you know, no parents. And then someone adopted him. But the reason why they adopted him was because those couple, that couple was really, really old in age and didn't have any child, okay? So we asked in Roman culture time, why did they adopt it, okay? Why did they adopt it? Oftentimes it's for honor and heritage, okay? It's ensure everyone has a, uh, has a kid. And by the way, sometimes they adopt it because they feel their kid they're ashamed of their biological son. So then they have someone to need to lift up their honor. So they adopted for honor and what? Heritage. It's also economically. There's an economic incentive, okay? The parents, the father might adopt because he wants prestige and what? Honor from the child he adopts. But what is it the advantage for the person that's being adopted or the son? Is there's economic incentive. That's a way of passing out wealth and what? Passing down wealth and inheritance, okay? So you guys see the advantage for both sides, okay? There's also for religious reasons, okay? Uh, for religious reasons. I know in an Asian context sometimes, it's not necessarily all Christian. Um, but uh, it's, I think maybe the way we could understand from that Asian context, might understand it in Roman context too. In Roman context, they believe that after you die, there's almost like a cult of family. There needs someone that's still alive to give sacrifices and money to who? To you in the afterlife, okay? This is why in Chinese New Year, right? If you guys ever look in Chinese, I'm not endorsing it, but just the context, right? I remember as a little kid, I don't know Chinese, but I remember my parents, my mom would always buy these Chinese things to burn 
for Chinese New Year, right? And it'll always scare me because it says hell no. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know, like, everything's in Chinese, but everything else is hell no. And I'm like burning. It's like, oh, we're burning this, mom. We're burning this to hell, right? Okay. So, of course, it's underworld and, and uh, after death, right? And then and my mom's like, no, no, we got to do that because they need, we need to cook this food and I want to eat the chicken right away. And my mom, no, 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 no. You need to offer it to them first. And I was like, if they eat it, they are really left over. Anyway, I'm not making fun, but just as a little kid, okay? So for the Roman culture, it would have been the same. The reason why they was like, if you have no kids, you're like, uh-oh. If I die and I see, and I'm not saying this is real. This is what, how they would think. They would say, if I die and then all of a sudden I go to the rest of my lineage and all my clan, and then they'll say, hey, how, how, come, how come you didn't provide us a su- child to give us wealth and everything else? Right? That's why people burn sometimes with fake BMWs, everything else, to the to, 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 uh, future world, right? Okay? But um, I'm saying this is in classical Chinese culture. In the same way, they would have been the same way. They would have been, go over there, and then you're the last lineage. And they're like, hey, you brought shame. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, grandfather and great-grandfather and, uh, and daddy, right? So then you make sure there is by what? With that religious reason of adoption, okay? So then we ask the question. So this is the context. Then we go to point number two. So this is the context, answering question number one. What would it mean in the original audience? Okay, we go to now point number two. And the point number two, the question we're going to answer is, why do we need spiritual adoption? Why do we need spiritual adoption? Okay? The adoption that the Bible talks about is not physical. It's, uh, it's spiritual in relations to God. But we're going to see that what the Bible says is four reasons. Okay? There's how many reasons? Four reasons. Okay, so in answering number two, why do we need spiritual adoption? We're going to see four reasons in answering this question. By the way, let me clarify this. I want to be very clear. God doesn't need to adopt us. Okay? When we answer the question, why do we need spiritual adoption? It's really for our benefit, okay? It's really for our benefit. Not because of God's benefit, but it's really for our benefit, which is very different than the Roman world of adoption. Remember we said earlier, uh, you, don't want, you want honor, you want what? You want uh, to be able to uh, make sure that even after you die, you and your family and ancestors before you is honored and has money and be fed, all that kind of thing, okay? But here, we look, it's different. Now it's God's adoption. It's only all to our benefit, not necessarily to, uh, for God's benefit first, okay? First reason, before Christ, we were nature sons of disobedience. First reason why we needed adoption is, before Christ, we were nature sons of disobedience. If you're still with me in Ephesians 1.5, remember the context is saying, God is, we should bless God, we should praise God because God has blessed us. Why? Adoption. But at the same time, what were we before we were adopted? Just the same way, when, you say, when someone tells you they're adopted, that means what? Their present parents might not be the same as their what? First parents or first father, okay? Their first father. Turn with me to Ephesians 2.2. 2. Ephesians 2.2. 2. Let's turn to Ephesians 2.2. 2. And if I could have Josh uh, read that for me so I could catch my breath. Ephesians 2.2. 2. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the kingdom. Okay. Okay, we'll stop there, okay? So it says before we were spiritually adopted, who were we the sons of? Sons of what? <clears throat> Sin or disobedience, okay? Son of disobedience. In fact, if you look at verses 1, it says you are dead in trespass. That means we're spiritually dead. We might be physically alive. But before we turn to God, before God saved us, we're actually spiritually dead. We're like spiritual zombies. You guys ever seen people are into mo- zombie movies these days, right? The walking what? Dead, okay? There's all these people walking around, driving on the freeway, on the 605 and 510 freeway. They're spiritually alive. They can make turns. I mean, they're, they're physically alive. They can make turns, avoid car accident most of the time, right? But they're what? Spiritually dead to the things of God. You talk to them the things of God, they have no interest or they have no understanding no matter how many times we share, Okay? Uh, yet we see this was what we were before. We're sons of disobedience, okay? You ever hear the phrase like father, like son, okay? So where do we get our sinfulness, right? You realize the Bible teach one of the things that I think is so amazing, I think the number one fact in the Bible that could be verified in day-to-day life is we're sinful. We're born sinful. But for some whatever reason, we read the theology book, that's one of the things that people right away like to deny, Okay? But then I, I think about it. That is true, right? My daughters, as cute as they are, right now I think they're very cute, wearing those, what do you call that? 
whatever you call it, okay? The Chinese outfit, okay? Uh, yet, they're all sinners, right? I never taught them to lie. I never sat down with them and said, hey, it's time for family worship. Here's a three-step to lie, okay? Know the truth, number one, to reject it, and then verbalize it, right? I never taught them that, but they could do that, right? I never taught my daughters to be not nice to others, okay? I never taught them martial arts or, or, or whatever. You say, okay, you know, in order to be mean, put your hands in the fist, okay? And, or whatever else. There, there's never been a, a martial arts class that I've ever taught them yet, okay? Or maybe I'll probably outsource that to others, okay? But yet, why is this? It's because we're sons of disobedience, okay? We are sons of disobedience. This is why we need adoption. Secondly, second reason why is before Christ, we were by nature sons of disobedience. Uh, we are our nature sons of the devil okay second reason why we need adoption is we are the sons of the devil okay sons of the devil now I know in some sense I don't think it, so don't go out there anyone to say hey, you don't believe oh that means secretly you, you bow down to a secret statue of Satan that's what I'm saying okay I think yet the sense the Bible does say that whatever way even if they don't believe they might not consciously every day think about worshiping Satan but there's a way that somehow their, their spiritual father is the devil okay? Turn with me real quick to Matthew thirteen verse thirty. Actually, maybe uh, for the sake of time, we'll look only at one. John eight forty four. John eight forty four. I don't think any Christian you ever do this. Sometimes you ask Christian, "Hey, what's your favorite life verse?" Some people say John three sixteen. Some people say Romans eight twenty eight. I don't think any Christian would say their favorite life verse is John eight forty four. Okay. Turn with me to John eight forty four. It says, you are, this is Jesus Christ speaking. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand the truth. And there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Question. Do human beings lie? Yes, okay. Do human beings, because they're sinful, also hate people? Right? Remember, the root of all murder is hate. Hatred, right? Uh, with that, okay? So if you want to know who your spiritual father is, you don't need to go to a talk show during the daytime to watch something and have a paternity test. You know what the spiritual paternity test is? How you know who's your father? Is you look at what you do. Okay? You look at what you do. Here it shows very clearly, Jesus is telling these Jewish religious leaders, hey, you know what your spiritual father is who? Satan. Now they'll say, no, it's the God of the Bible. He says, no, let's look at your, let's do a spiritual TNA test. You say you're God the Father, but you know what that means. But the test reveals what? You're not. You're not, yeah, that's not your father, okay? You're, yeah, you're not of the Father, right? Is your father instead is Satan, okay? So that's how you know. So before Christ, our spiritual father, actually maybe unspiritual father, is really Satan. Okay. Let me make this very clear. Please don't go around and see a non-believer and says, "Hey, how come you secretly worship Satan?" You know, like, like it's at a deep spiritual level. It's not like they're consciously necessarily having to worship Satan. Okay. But this is what the Word of God says. Okay. Third point: Why we need spiritual adoption is because as sons of disobedient, we're sold in a bondage of sin. Okay. That is, the devil is a very abusive spiritual. Father, okay? Turn with me, uh, if you're still with me, look at John 8.34. If you're still in John chapter 8.44, look at 10 verses before. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Okay? There's different words for slave. Remember, during this time period, a third of the Roman Empire is slave. But don't read American racist slavery into that context, okay? Uh, American uh, 1800s slavery, people cannot, African Americans cannot well, they don't even call them African-Americans. They just call them blacks, right? Or other inappropriate words. But they would not be able to read. Did you guys know that in a lot of the southern states, it was against the law to teach an African-American to read? Now, in the Roman Empire, there were some slaves that were even more literate than everyday free people that were farmers. Because back then, the, most of the accountants were actually slaves. They were really good at math. Some slaves actually had a better life quality style. Now, they're owned by someone, right? Life quality style than those that were just everyday people living in the city, or working as poor farmers, okay? But when it says here, this word for slave, this is the term of bad kind of slave, right? Those that are being what? Held in a bondage, okay? Romans seven fourteen says, For we know that the law is spiritual, I'm of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin, okay? In other words, our, it's a bad kind of father. This is the example of an abusive father, okay? Putting your son into, uh, into chain, 
when it says here bondage in Romans 7.14. This is why we want spiritual adoption. Okay? This is an abusive, unspiritual father named Satan or our sin. Okay? And the last part why we want spiritual adoption, why we need spiritual adoption, is we're son of disobedience. That means we deserve God's wrath. If we are sons of disobedience, that means we deserve to be punished by God because what we are sinful. Turn with me to Ephesians 5, 6. Turn back with me to Ephesians 5, 6. When we turn over there, Ephesians 5, 6. Uh, could I have Josh read that out loud? Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Yeah, notice it says God's wrath. That is God's righteous judgment is against those who are disobedient, okay? Uh, so for the second time you see in this book of Ephesians, the word son of disobedience appear. But now we see the consequences. It's not just only sin treats us badly, right? When we sin, oftentimes we feel guilty, yes? Oftentimes it also has bad consequences for us, yes? In the long run, yes? But also as well, the third thing why we don't want this is because what? We will be punished by God because God is a righteous judge. Just like a right, any righteous judge, when we're guilty before the court of law, what happened? We are guilty, okay? Two weeks ago, I had to do jury duty. I had to go down to the criminal court, okay? Um, and I was actually called. They said, okay, you know what? Uh, if we call these names, you will have to appear in courtroom, whatever, on whatever floor. They said it. But when we said it, we waited, and they said, okay, you know what? You'll have to show up after lunch. Then after lunch, we went. And then they said, oh, good news for you guys. You guys don't have to do it anymore because this, this is settled. The person declared he, he's going to take a guilty verdict. And everyone cheered. And I was thinking, well, everyone's cheering to get out of this. But this guy just declared he's guilty. He's gonna, and, and, you know, it's a criminal court, the one in um, downtown, the, 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 you know, for felony. Okay? And I was thinking, huh, okay? Huh, this is not just, you know, it's, uh, it's probably some, you know, it's probably not a good consequence. Okay? But then you would say, hey, if there is something that is wrong, justice demand that there would be what? From the judge that there would be a punishment. Yes. So this is God saying, okay, because of our sin, we deserve the wrath of God. Okay? This is the reason why we need what? Spiritual adoption. Okay? So do we see clearly why we need spiritual adoption from these four reasons? Which now, then we go to point number three. Okay? Who has provided for our spiritual adoption? Okay? This is where we need to talk about how does the Roman context of adoption happen, okay? Let me talk a little bit about how the Roman context of how does adoption go about, okay? Because the Roman context is actually very, very particular, okay? The Roman context is actually very, very particular of how adoption occurs in their, uh, in their process, okay? So Roman context is very different than the Greek and also maybe, well, there's no reference to Jewish, okay? But the way Roman context, legally, this is how you do it, okay? When someone says, oh, this is not my father, oftentimes, when, oh, let me ask you guys this question, okay? Let me ask this, maybe backing up a little bit. When people adopt kids today, or maybe let's make it more personal. If you, if you were to, anyone here want to adopt kids? I'm just curious. Okay, you would like that, okay? When we uh, would adopt kids, let me ask you guys this question. If you guys were to adopt a child, how old would you want your child to be? Oh, how old? Perfect age? Okay. Baby. What is the perfect age? Oh, Baby. Baby. Okay, age. Okay. okay. Or oh, you, yeah, you want a, a good right. child, right? Okay. 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 A baby, okay. Uh, how old? Anyone throw age? Throw numbers out there, huh? Three weeks. Oh, yeah, when it's really cute, right? I love three weeks. When they cry, it's like even so cute. Like, you know, like a few months later when they cry, it's like so whiny. But then that first three weeks, is like, oh, it's so cute. It's like, oh, right? Everything else, okay? He said, oh, this child needs me, okay? Three weeks. Anyone else want to throw out any numbers? <coughs> Maybe another way of saying it is, would there be a cutoff date for you guys of how old? If there's a cutoff date, what age would it be for you guys? 50 years. 50 years old? Wow, you're willing to adopt under 50? Okay. A uh, uh, Yoda, right? Baby Yoda from the Mandalorian. <laughs> okay. Where are, are you saying this? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, under 50. Okay, anyone else? Okay, around the age before you can remember stuff. Okay, yeah, right. I can see that, right? You want that child to always kind of, you know, uh, is them, right? It's less traumatic, okay? Maybe two, three, whatever, like that. Okay. For the Roman culture, 
Do you think they had incentive? Do they uh, think they want to adopt little kids or old, older? Older. Oh, why? Because do stuff. Okay, and? Yeah, could it be servants? Okay. Think about it for a moment. The re- main reason why they adopted is what? Is so that they would have honor, right? So be, be able to pass it. It's beyond their age where they could provide. Because you're not going to be spending when you're adopting 50. Oh, I have no kid. And then 50 to 68, okay? Uh, and by the way, people don't live that long back then, okay? Mm-hmm. By the way, most kids back then died. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Inf- infant mortality is so much higher back then than today. Okay, and even America, it's much more lower than some, certain parts of the world. We're very privileged to be born here, okay? So in light of this, would you take a big risk of adopting a three-week-old? Remember, the purpose is what? You want honor. So usually adoption in the Roman culture is you pick people that are older. People that were above 18, okay? We would say 18 years old, you're on your own. You're an adult. For them, they'll be like, oh, no, this is a track record, okay? You would sub- in order to be adopted back then, believe it or not, the person that want to be adopted submit resumes, Okay? I'm saying, hey, this is what I've done. And they're, oh, you bring me honor. Okay, they adopt you, okay? So different, okay? But here, and when they adopted, the, the way, there's still a sense where they understand, hey, hey, you have a father, why would you disown it? So they would through a process to still honor that, that old father, your original father, your first father. So you have, the father will sell you into slavery, okay? So you have to sell you into slavery, then that adopting father buys him again. You guys ever hear the term third time is a? Charm, okay? So then the son buys it, and then again, the father had to sell him three times, okay? Three times. And then the, each time the father, the, the adopted father has to buy him back from slavery. It's, again, it's formal to kind of still give respect for that what? The father. Remember, this is a world in that culture that father has so much power and honor, he could kill his son, and if you call the police, the police will be like, huh, no big deal if it's the father, okay? Oh, just another day in Rome, okay? Let's go back on. And then after selling three times, he will finally be sold to the father again. And this time, he is now no longer a slave forever. No longer a slave forever. And then therefore made a child of that new father. With this background, and by the way, in order to do this also as well as this is legal, you also need to have witnesses. Okay? You also need to have legal witnesses. So with this background, we then ask a question. Who has provided our spiritual adoption. Okay? So when you think about the work of adoption, hum, and by the way, uh, all of this requires what? A lot of what? Money. Okay? So remember all this is background. Then when we ask the question, who's provided for our uh, spiritual adoption? And the answer is? Jesus. Anyone else? God. Okay. Yeah, I would even say God the Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, uh, again, next week we're going to look into the in more details of what God has done in verses 3 to 6. But look with me again in Ephesians chapter 1. Remember, uh, the subject of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 is God the Father, okay? By the way, even adoption, who needs to start first? Legally, the process is the Father looking for Someone to adopt. Okay, so he needs to initiate. You can't just be someone going around with a form. Hey, could someone adopt me? Put you on Craigslist, right? If there's no one else that's going to be out there to adopt, it's just all meaningless. So the first step is who? The father needs to initiate, okay? He takes the first step, okay? And if you look at the subject, Ephesians 1, 3, God the Father. And then in verses 4 or 5, what we read, he predestined us to adoption, okay? Very clearly, God the Father has to take the first step, okay? God the Father has to do the first step, and He does this out of love, okay? So, but there's just something shocking. Remember, in Roman fathers, they often have an ulterior motive, right? To make sure when they die, someone send them hell notes and, you know, fake paper, Mercedes Benz, and all that kind of thing, right? But God the Father, is He doing it because He really, really needs us? Actually, it's the other way. We need who? God. Not God need us, okay? So, He does this out of love. But remember, with everything, with adoption, just like legal adoption today, there must be a lot of paperwork, including what? Character witness, okay? This week I got an email from a close friend who is trying to adopt a child, and they're asking what? They submitted a form, the agency, to say, hey, we need you to fill this out, to tell us about the character. And by the way, there's all these paperwork done, so you need witnesses. Who's a witness? Who's a witness that we've been adopted? 
the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians 4.6, okay? Galatians 4.6. Turn with me to Galatians 4.6, okay? Galatians chapter 4, verses 6. So if you're in Ephesians, is the book before, uh, right before that is Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verses 6. Galatians chapter 4, verses 6. Could I have Albert read that verse out loud? Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit Okay, so according to this verse here, right? According to this verse here, uh, when the Spirit believe, uh, enters a heart, that's how we know that He's testifying to us that we have been adopted. Okay? God the Holy Spirit lives in us. By the way, you guys see the term Abba, right? That's an Aramaic way of what? Calling dad, not in a legal way, right? Like, you know, when you, when you write a legal paperwork, you say father, right? Or I don't know, legal male guardian or something like that, okay? Uh, but when you don't say, when you fill out a form, you don't say daddy, right? Legal form. Or as my daughters call me what? Dada, right? It's like Chinese form of what? I don't know, baba, right? In a very affectionate way, okay? But have you noticed in all culture, it's very labial in terms of the linguistic structure, right? The B and the P sound, right? Papa. Baba, that kind of thing, right? So you see here, uh, it's crying out, showing intimacy, right? That this, you have a close relationship with Him. And sometimes we go to doubt of who it is that we belong to. But you know who helps us to remind us? God has given us the Holy Spirit. What a loving God. God the Father predestined us before time, as it says, as we'll see next week. Before time, before you were ever born, He already had a plan to what? Adopt you, to save you. To make you one of His. And here we see He's also given us a witness, okay? Whereas other human documents might be other human beings that are flawed and frail. Guess who's there? Who is our witness that we've been adopted? God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in all of us. He's God Himself too. He's also fully divine in that strange mystery of the divinity. And therefore being God, He's all present. And yet He lives in us. And He knows what we think. And when we struggle in our faith, when we struggle and think, oh, I've sinned too much already. God will not accept me ever. He says, no, you're adopted. And makes you cry out, Abba, Father. Okay? Do you see the beauty of the work of the Trinity involves for our salvation? <coughs> yes. But remember, with legal adoption, what else is also required? Not just a witness, but remember the Roman process? How many times does the son need to be sold into slavery? Three times. And that involves what? Money. money. And do you think that money is, that original biological father, is he going to charge a little bit? Or a lot? What do you guys think? A lot. a lot. Okay? He's getting a landfall, so to speak, in his own life. Okay? And yet when we ask for adoption, we've seen here in the Bible that it begins with God the Father predestining us. That it began with what else? Also involved the Son. Okay? He's our witness that we've been adopted. But one missing requirement for adoption, for our adoption, is the cost. <clears throat> then we ask the question, for our adoption, for us to be a child of God instead of a child of sin or a child of the devil, what was the cost for our salvation? What was the cost so that we might be saved by Jesus, uh, uh, might be saved to go to heaven. What is the cost that involves us to no longer be a son of wrath, which means we will go to hell? What is the cost to redeem us? Turn with me, if you're still in Galatians, look with me in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. Look with me in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. Andrew, would you be able to read Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5 when you get there? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, this verse is very explicit. This verse is speaking about the cost to save us from our sins. To make us a child of God instead of a child of sin and a child of disobedience and a child of the devil and, and a child of wrath. Do you see what God sent as a price? God the Son, who's that? Jesus Christ. 
as it says, he was born under the law, and he might redeem. See the word redeem. Remember the idea of the being sold to slavery. When you buy someone out of slavery, that's called redemption. So Paul is very explicit here. When he says adoption, he's knowing the Roman way. The cost of remember that three times someone being sold into slavery before, and each time being redeemed, or that is purchased away from slavery. He uses that same technical term, redeem. What is the cost? It is God the Son. So, what is that purpose? So that we might become uh, receive adoption, as verse five says. Okay, do you guys see the irony of this? Most of us, when we have a child. Do most people have more incentive to adopt or less incentive? Most people, naturally speaking. Less, right? Usually sometimes you hear people say, oh, I can't have a child and therefore I'm getting older, maybe I should, what? Adopt. Not always, sometimes people do it because they're Christian and they desire to do what is good, okay? But here you see, here you see God the Son, God the Father already had God the Son, uh, both always existing, okay? Does God really need to have a son, God the Father? No, He had God the Son, Jesus Christ. And when it came to adoption, what did He offer as a price? The death of His Son. How many people, even those that desire to adopt, would say, okay, I'm willing to adopt, even the cost of what? My own son. I probably wager most of us would not. But here is how much God the Father loves us. You see how much God the Father loves us? God the Father loves us so much, He offered up His only unique Son to die for our sins. To be the, the cost to adopt us, okay? To be the cost to purchase us, okay? This is how we reconcile, okay? If you guys ever read the Bible, sometimes it looks like a contradiction. If you guys ever thought, like, I, I struggled with this for a long time, reading the Bible, because it seems like a contradiction. Because there's some verses that say, He's redeemed us, and we're slaves, Right? True or not? Mm-hmm. But then there are some verses that Jesus says, Hey, you're not slave. You're a son. You're like, wait, are we slave or are we not? And the answer is, yes. Roman culture, remember? Sold to uh, each time. You're sold. Each time you're sold, you're no longer slave of this guy. You're slave of, the, of this new dad or potential dad. Sold again. So th- therefore, we're slave in one sense. But all of that is not the end goal. The end goal is not to us to be slaves. The end goal is what? Redemption three times is for what? We might become a son is our ultimate goal. So the answer to synthesize all that is yes, we're redeemed, we're redeemed, we're redeemed, redeemed. So that the end goal is that we might become a part of the family of God. Who is involved with our salvation? Is the Father involved? Yes. What does the Father do for our redemption? He adopts. Okay, He does the adoption part. He's the one that made the choice. Right, He determined this before time And we use that term predestination Is the Holy Spirit involved? How is He involved? He's our witness When we struggle When we're not sure When we are being convicted When we feel like Oh maybe this is too hard of a Christian life Maybe I've disqualified myself from the love of God He reminds us No, you're a child of God And how is the Son involved? God the Son, Jesus Christ What is How is He involved? Yeah, He gave His life It's a cost it is the cost. What a beautiful love story. And again, next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1 with all other details. But I thought it would be good today we look at this as all of us with all the kids, something that we could more understand, even though it's conceptual. But I think the analogy in every culture, there's idea of kids, there's idea of what? Families. And there's idea of adoption, whether it's rejected or accepted or normal or not. But here we see the last point of our question is this that we want to answer, that we want to look at, is how does spiritual adoption change our life? Should this change our life, knowing these truths? Yeah. Okay. So we ask, well, how does this change our life? First question, do you sometimes doubt you're in the family of God? Then realize the Holy Spirit has been given to testify for you to be a child of God. Okay. If you're a believer, if you believe Jesus Christ died for you, you are part of the family of God. Not based upon whether or not you're worthy. This is so different than the Roman culture or any other culture. It's not because you're worthy, but surely because of what? His love. As what? Ephesians 1, 5 says, He didn't choose you to be adopted, 
And the choice term is predestination. He didn't choose you because somehow he saw in you something good a long time ago. He saw way in the future you'll do some good for him or that you will love him back. But he chose you simply out of love. Okay? Second uh, application. Have you been blown away that adoption has already taken place? And now, and, th- and this has started even from a point of eternity to adopt you. Have you been amazed? If so, you should praise Him and thank Him. Have you been even amazed from even this time that we spent to see the beauty of how much He has loved us? Okay? Third, you should not fear any condemnation any longer if you trust in Him. Because Romans 8.14, remember we saw earlier, the Spirit testifies in us what? Abba, Father, right? He moves us to know His love. So run towards His love. Have you realized there's also two ways to be a child of somebody? You're either born to that person, yes, or you are what? Adopted. And yet God loved us so much, He used those two terms. John 3 says we are born, what? Again, a spiritual birth. And also we are adopted. That's how much He, what? Loves us. Does that move you to say, thank you God for your love? Finally, uh, not finally, also another point is, did you realize the cost for your adoption? You guys realize your, the cost for your adoption. Right? Uh, some people really love their uh, adopted parents because of how much the cost is involved, how much money. But here is someone died for you. And that's Jesus Christ. And if you're adopted, do you realize your new identity? Um, one of the blogs I read is this Christian lady, older Christian lady. Uh, she's like a grandma now. And she was, shares a tragic story about how she was adopted. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know sometimes the sad part of doing all these DNA testing is you find out who your biological mom is, and she did in this case. And when she did, she, the sad part is right away she sent out a contact you know, through those genetic testing thing. Right away, you know, con- well, not directly through that mom, but through someone else's. And then everyone in the family surprised. Like I'm talking about like the biological child. Like, Whoa, we had this, this older sister we never knew. And then the mom, and she was like, so excited to meet the mom, and the mom is like 80-something. Never hear it from her. The first thing she heard from her was from her lawyer saying, do not contact me, or I'm filing a restraining order. Her biological uh, brother has actually died. Because during the years when she, he was in his teenage years, he felt like, wait, this is my parents? I want to know my real parents. I want to uh, find out my real parents. And he tried all these things to try to find out, and Hayden rebelled. And then when he found out his biological dad, which th- this lady did not know uh, who he is, he realized, you know what? He had no worth or value. In fact, he was rejected again. Sometimes I think we forget that we forget how much we treasure the love of God because we take it for granted, just like in the story that we had. And we think we sometimes we even have almost like a Stockholm syndrome, thinking maybe sin is not that bad. Maybe the devil's not that Maybe the world is not that bad. Maybe sin, maybe I go back. Maybe sin was, and you think about the good old days of sin. When you go back, you discover what? No, it's not what you think it is. So in the same thing, we need to find our identity in our new spiritually adopted father, God the Father. Also in your life, does your life reflect that your spiritual DNA, does your life reflect also as well that you're now spiritually adopted by God the Father? By the way, this also has implication for the church. You're, you now have a new spiritual family. Where's the spiritual family? It's called the church. So as much as when we come here 4047 North Durfee Avenue, 91372, in a place called Truth Chinese Alliance Church, there, our church has four Letter, four words, right? I hope the words that is most important to you, first and foremost, is what? Truth. truth. Well, yeah, truth. And then church, right? And then Christian, right? Chinese is important. Yeah, you know, that's... I, I never thought I would stay in a Chinese church, to be honest with you. I thought I would be go to some other... I stayed just because I believe this church preached the word of God. Okay? To me, that's incidental. If I could be honest with you, okay? Just to be honest with you, that's incidental. Because obviously here in this room, like what Victor pointed out, most people here don't even know Chinese, right? You say, Happy New Year, they say what? In a Mandarin ch- church, some of you guys would say, Gong Hei Fa Choi, in a Mandarin ch- speaking church, right? You speak Canto instead, okay? Yeah. Okay. So uh, all that is to say, all, and most of us don't, right? Uh, some of us are not ethnically. May it be that Christ holds us first. Mm. Amen? Amen? 
Okay, that's the unity. But here we see also as well, okay? Also, we should love the spiritual family that God has put us in, okay? Not because we are, they are worthy, but sometimes it is your relations to God the Father. True or not? When we meet with family members, we should still love them. Every family gathering in the holidays, there's always someone that's difficult. True or not? And you say, oh, my family is so perfect. No one is like this. Guess what? You probably are the one. That's it. That's difficult for everyone else, okay? But we love them still. Why? Not because they're worthy or anything else. Because of what? Relations to God the Father. Or, or to, your, to your parents, etc. Okay? So does it astound you with awe? Knowing these details, do you, it, I hope it should move us to say, I love you, God the Father. I love you more, God the Son. And I love you more who? God the Holy Spirit for saving us. And finally, if you are in this room today and you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, if we're going all through this and you realize, you know what, I'm still a child of disobedience. I am still not saved. I, have, I, I don't even just struggle with sin. I run to the sin and I have no remorse. And then if you realize you have not trusted in Jesus Christ today, there's one final application. Turn to Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus Christ, I want to trust that you died for me, that you paid the cost, okay? And if you say, oh, you know what? Am I the one that's chosen? No, listen, John, John is very clear in the Gospel of John. If you are going to Him, that means He would never turn you away, okay? He will never turn you away. You have the responsibility to turn to Him and say, and when He turned to Him, will He reject you? Never. Never, okay? Yeah, and yet realize when you do turn to Him, it's Him working in you. Okay? So, by the way, in leading all of this, please turn to Him today. And by the way, if you believe in God's sovereign grace, sometimes people use the nickname Calvinism. I think it's unfortunate. I see online a lot of times uh, in different Facebook groups that I moderate that some people could be so proud of how much they know theology. Oh, I read Lorraine Botner's Predestination, whatever. Oh, that, that's crazy talk. If you truly understand that He chose you simply out of grace, not because of something worthy you did, uh, uh, you, you would do in the future, and therefore why He needs you, that should make us what? The most humble of Christians. There's a mystery. I don't know why I'm safe. When I know my own sinfulness, when I go on walks and think about how sinful I am, why would God ever choose me? Why would God ever choose me? Why would God ever want to... Why would God ever want to even adopt me spiritually in the first place and, and give birth in the spiritual way and even give me life in the first place to begin with? And the only answer is because of His love, not anything to do with me. And if you realize that, that changes the way you live your whole life. You'll be a person that will be less jealous with others because you realize, hey, if they get blessing, that's good. I don't, you know, I don't even deserve even to be alive. And you could be genuinely joyful for others and be genuinely thankful for all things that God has given you. It has implication not only of saving you of this truth, but also what? The way you live your life will be one of what? Eternal gratitude. My identity is not built upon how big the church will be. My identity is not built upon how awesome of a father I'll be or how successful or how much money I make. Those things might be important. But my identity is finally, first and foremost, I'm a child of God. And therefore, when I know He's loved me so much, I'm secure. And I will go what? Try to be a good father, a good pastor, and a good citizen in this society because of God's awesome love. Let's close in a word of prayer.